Everybody, welcome back to Strange New Show. Keith and Mike watch Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm a little distracted because and I actually I'm hoping that you are able to hear it because I think because of the internet weirdness, the uh, the theme song was just played wildly out of tempo. So the conductor is drunk this morning. <laughs> no, on, you didn't uh, hear any of that. Oh, it's such a bummer because it was like, what is <laughs> happening? Why is the internet so weird? You know what? It's always weird. Why question it now? So it's weird. That's 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 who we are. That's where we are. Uh, Mike, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, Keith. I uh, I'll save it for geekly, but I went and saw. I've I'm com- I completed one leg of the Barbenheimer challenge. Uh huh. Uh huh. I saw uh, Oppenheimer last night, and it it rocked me to my core. Uh, and then tonight we're going to see the Barbie with Jens. Nice. So that should be a fun little treat. Uh, so I'm doing okay. I'm a little. Uh, I think I'm fighting something off in the illness department, though I know it pales mm. in comparison to what you've been probably going through. Regardless, yeah. we're uh, we're fighting through this morning for you and for the Star Trek universe, Keith. Yeah, well, and, and excited to do it. Excited to do it. So, because today we are talking about season two, episode two, Ad Astra per Aspera. Uh, we're doing Measure of a Man, folks. I'm excited about it. Uh, but before we talk about it, we have to talk about last week's mm-hmm. viewer ratings yes. for the season two premiere, The Broken Circle. Uh, you know, a lot of you leave comments, but you forget to put your ratings. So uh, you know, just put a number in there and be part of our uh, our wonderful family of numbers here. Uh, JD gives it an 80. Jason Moe gives it an 80 as well. Warps Bushifs comes in with a 90. That gives you an average of 83.3. And if you're counting at home, like, you know, uh, we all are. Uh, that means I win because I gave it an 82. You nice. came in low with a 68, man. I rough. did? Yeah, well, you, you know, rough I'm on that my, episode. I'm, my, uh, I'm calibrating, Keith. I'm calibrating. I, I see. I see. Keith, for all our people out there, I just wanted to point mm-hmm. out, I believe uh, Comic-Con is going on currently. Uh, and so I've been seeing some posts. I want to shout out, I think, my figure universe, mm-hmm. uh, who's been, who's sometimes posts some of our stuff, is posted some shots today from Comic-Con of the Strange New Worlds uniforms. They have them all kind of encased and up close. Oh, cool. Uh, so if you've got any, like, first, if you're out there in San Diego and you've got some pictures, shoot them our way. I'd love to see. That's all cool. I have to say. For sure. Although there's, I think there's been a ton of cancellations from the actors supporting the strike. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so the, the, the costumes will show up. The mm-hmm. actors probably not, and you know, and shouldn't. All right, so uh, let us hop right into Ad Astra per Aspera, which aired on June 22nd, 2023. The top song was, uh, once again, uh, Morgan Wallen's Last Night. I was about to make a joke about what maybe he shouldn't have done and got videoed and posted on the internet last night. Mm. Uh, but I need, I need to be very, I need to double check it and make sure I do not make an unfounded accusation. But uh, I do believe it's very problematic. You want to know what wasn't problematic, Mike? Ugh. The top movie this week. If you'd believe it, after taking two weeks off of number one, coming back around... Uh, back to the top spot in its fourth week, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I know you enjoyed that movie greatly. I did. I did. I was playing the trailer, but it's going through the wrong channel, so whatever. It's beautiful. Check it out. Great. 
Wow, God, we're so good. Mm-hmm. What we're doing a what do you call it? A dip and drop today? Yep, that's exactly what you call it, Keith. Ice cream of the future. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, this will be in your feeds mere hours after we, we record this. Yeah, I'm gonna drop a 1080 so that it goes faster. So we won't okay. even. Uh, so if we're if we don't look as beautiful as general as as we usually do, then you know you or know. Or with less resolution, we look more beautiful oh, than that's usual. Fair. Yeah. It's true. I mean, like my, I have a face built for three twenty by two forty. It really. Uh, I'm a four by three kind of guy. I'm a four by three. Four if I'm, I'm really a... excited, but usually three. <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, maybe this will help. The <laughs> weekly world news headline from twenty years previous: Saddam and Osama are in love. Their shocking secret life. Uh, it's 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 beautiful actually it, it's 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 very nice uh yeah maybe they're uh, they're not great people but we love love so mm-hmm. there you it need is someone to chain you need someone to hit the button on your uh what's the uh what's the thing you hit when you got diet when you got the kidney problems dialysis somebody needs to hit your dialysis button that's true that's true okay i'm so glad that went there and not other places <laughs> also uh angels have been declared an endangered species it's very sad uh, this the, uh, just in, we as a species don't care. Mm-mm. Well, the feds arrest a duck hunter who shot down a cherub from the sky. Church group begs Vatican, make three stooges saints. <laughs> Hold on, that one's good. <laughs> I mean, it is it is very Which, interesting. I'm sure there's a church group that maybe feels that way. The Weekly World News, now that we've seen a lot of headlines, like, they're really obsessed with, like, Three, three different things. Biblical things, mm-hmm. right? They're super, super obsessed with gay things because mm-hmm. we were living in a very homophobic time in 2005 or whatever, whatever this was, uh, and aliens. Oh, Keith, this this might be the first time I've ever seen an actual photo credit. Keith, who's, who took that picture? Oh, it's the Iraqi TV news. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's like as good as routers. Ru- I mean, Reuters? Reuters. Reuters. <laughs> routers. <laughs> we need a new one of those. Yeah, today. apparently. Well, you know who did a good job routing all of the different things to make this episode happen? The director of yes. it. Yes. Valerie Weiss. Uh, this is her first episode of Trek. Mm-hmm. And this was written by another first Trek writer, Dan Horgan, who also wrote a lot of the show Once Upon a Time. Did you ever watch that show? You know, I uh, it was like a CW. Yes, it was the CW sort of fairy tale drama. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I never. I, I pip and popped it, but... here and there. All right. Well, you know, he's he's been known to pip and pop. I would have folks. seen. I was. I would have ventured a guess that the writer was maybe a woman because they wrote two pretty powerful women in this episode. But I'm glad to hear that at, at least the director was, so that we had some, mm-hmm. had a had a a, a a feminine touch. Indeed. Indeed. Shall we uh, Shall we talk about some people who touch us with their money and their support? That is, of course, our patrons, who you can join at patreon.com slash KM. Mike, who are they and what are they getting? Touching Us Weekly, Bryant, Kimball Beersock, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the mysterious and the mysterious household, Worf's mm. Boot Shivs. Charles Babbage, Richard Coleman, CRM Productions, Nikolay Ivanovich Lobachevsky, 
Delusions at Noon, Steve Brown, YouTube Viewer, J.D. Makes, Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell at CRM, Pat, and our dear friend Joshua Cronin. You can have your name pronounced specifically and correctly at patreon.com slash K and M. Wow. Mike, did you AI the patrons? <laughs> Actually. Oh, my God. What a great idea. I do have an a, a, a AI mic voice these days. You sure do. Yeah. So you can get folks. I'm just saying we don't have a patron tier for this. But uh, <laughs> we've spent all of our t- resources on sex bots for key. <laughs> Hey, I'm just saying, uh, if if we don't have that available, uh, you could probably get the AI mic voice. Uh, you can probably download that and make it give you directions, and you know, in any way that you want him to make mm, you directions. What this Keith? See, I wasn't getting horny, but <laughs> wait, what? That's <laughs> not what I meant to say. You know, in Dungeons and Dragons, folks, you'll 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 get this if you get this or whatever. They have a they have a, a skill called like passive intelligence, passive perception, meaning you're just like base level awareness of the world around you. Uh, so like, which is like set at a number. I think Mike has a passive horniness that he's just always a certain amount of. So horny. do you ever do you have to ever have to skill check horny or like if you did, what would you skill check for like a? I mean, yeah. I mean, would it be a charisma save? No, a charisma save would be whether or not you could you could Use pass it on to someone yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, let's go. I'm getting uh, my producers are telling us we should move forward. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, let's go on to everybody's favorite segment. Is it gonna work? Oh my! Now God. Keith, waste your time. With Trivial Trivia! Keith, would you believe that I did it your way? Oh, thank God. And not only that, you can set specific delays, so I was able to cut off the big end by just Uh setting a delay for the 11 seconds, and then it fades over for us. Amazing. So what I'm basically saying is, you were right all along. Ah, yeah, I I love hearing that. that. should Should we talk more about Dropbox? We could. But keep so, hearing, right. because be, being right all along doesn't mean you're always right. In fact, someone knows. I am dude. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make me wrong. <laughs> no. It that makes me one of my favorites. <laughs> it does make you dude. Okay. <laughs> it tickles. All right. It so, still tickles me. Everyone, shall we? I am dude. <laughs> Get used I, to it. One of the things that tickles me is how much Mike is tickled by random things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, he just becomes wildly tickled. I find that delightful. All right. <laughs> so, in our trivial trivia, we should explain the episode title. Ad Astra per Aspera is a popular Latin phrase that means to the stars through hardship. Mm. Which, interestingly, Ad Astra per Aspera is the state motto for Kansas. Is that true? That is the most random state motto. It is. Yeah, okay. Like, why why that and why Kansas? What does Kansas have to do with uh, the stars? I don't know. I guess you can see them in the cornfields. I think when you and your property and oh. all your loved ones are picked up into a tornado and spun into the sky, you have a better view of the 
Stars. Of the stars. Yeah. Well, you're, you're closer to the stars. If you don't have a roof. Hardships. Yeah. Through the hardship of being uh, sucked up by a tornado. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, we fixed it. We fixed it. Uh, also, the uh, we see sort of a bas relief in the courtroom in the back, and it depicts members of various 23rd century Federation members, including the founding members. Uh, Mike, do you know who the founding members of the Federation are? Uh, I'm guessing they're different than the founders. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Hopefully. founders are... They're, they're pretty much on it. Maybe they did uh, go back in time and found yeah. the Federation. It's totally possible. Uh, but actually, it's an Andorian, a human, a Tellarite, and a Vulcan. As uh, well as other species, we see the uh, Tiberanian from uh, the original series, Way to Eden, a Betelgeusian, a Rondorite, a Saurian, a Zaranite from the motion picture, a Cation, and an Indosian, and an Onslulus. Oh my God! Forget oh, and on slowless. Well, you had Onslus me on slowless. You know they had a rule on uh, on Trek that uh, when you had all these weird alien names or whatever, whether it's character name or species name, the first scene, the first actor to pronounce it, that becomes the pronunciation moving forward. Right. So uh, yeah. So well, I just was really I was this days old when I realized it was called a ba relief and not a boz relief. I didn't know the s was silent. I believe it is. You, am, you am said I it wrong, first folks? today, so. I mean, I feel like it's bar relief, but I I could be I could be wrong, but. Well, one of us know. is clearly wrong. I, I don't well, I don't have any sort of knowledge of. It. I could I, you keep talking. Look it up. Yeah, I'm gonna. All right, talking. I'll. I will introduce our guest stars, including Yatidi Badaki as Nira, Adrian Holmes as Robert April, Melanie Scrafano as Battelle. With some co-starrings including uh, Jim Anon as Una's father and Claire Beitel as the young girl, young Una. Catherine Black as Una's mother, Eugene Clark as the Vulcan judge, and some other folks. Mike, uh, do we do we, do we got that s? We do have. Let's see. I'm, let me. I'm, I'm going to pause here. The uh, our Deep Space Nine background music. Excuse me, breaking the immersion, everyone. I have. Uh, it's very uh -huh, important uh -huh. that we do this. I know not everyone loves when we go on a tangent, but you know this is how we do. So here we go. Yeah, we're going to tangent. Up here, uh, how do you pronounce it? Boss relief. It there's an S there. There is an S. Okay, well, you know what? Yeah, it's okay. I'm sorry right. I've called you out. I just was really actually curious. No, I mean, I because I was somebody who uh, whose parents listened to NPR like mm -hmm. 18 hours a day at home. Uh, I usually was able to pronounce the weird words and phrases correctly because I heard them. Hmm. Uh, but this one, you know, it might have been an art teacher who pronounced it wrong. She might have been trying up. to be fancy. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the the, uh, the S is silent. There's also mm. a UK pronunciation. Maybe they uh, don't use the ooh, S, but I've already closed out. the tab. All right. Well, let's let's pretend that I'm the UK, the fancier, oh, wait, the no, have royal, Hold on. the royal production. Bass relief. Bass relief. Bass relief. Oh, they just right. say it, they just say it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, should we go into the screening room and talk about this Keith, episode? let's do it. Here we go. Ba -da -da, I won't give it away, but I am. All right, let's just roll. Ba -da -da, I ba -da -ba. Okay, Mike. We begin in a big modern city. Uh, beautiful shot there. For, for no reason other than its beauty, I've made that my uh, my wallpaper on my computer now. Have you now? Yeah. Have you really? It's beautiful. That's cool. Yeah. So we're in a big modern city. 
and parents are whispering about their daughter who has a brutally broken leg. Mm. Ugh. But her father doesn't want to take her to the hospital because they'll figure out who she is. Of course, it's little number one, and her genetic enhancements are glowing. Uh, yikes. We arrive in the present where Starfleet is offering her a plea deal. Of course, everybody listening to this knows that she was arrested for being an Elorian in Starfleet. Uh, so they, they make her a pretty decent offer, plead guilty, and we'll just give you a dishonorable discharge and no prison sentence. But uh, part of the deal is uh, we're going to watch this uh, under the surface and keep it all a secret so we don't get embarrassed. Mm. The Federation is being repped by Pike's girlfriend. Awkward. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, why is a Starfleet captain doing this and not a lawyer or a judge? Was my first thought. Mm -hmm. But then I had another thought. To keep it secret. So I, th I think this was about keeping mm -hmm. the, the, the loop small. So much like uh, a, a Starship captain can perform a wedding... When, when yes. they can also preside over a, <laughs> a court proceeding? I mean, sure. Okay. Uh, why not? I mean, Federation captains can do everything. They can cook. There is a lot of surrogates. They can climb El Capitan free solo. I, I do like that there is a lot of surrogates. My question was, if the Vulcan guy has such strong opinions and feelings, why, does, why isn't he just lawyering? I think because he's so high up, mm. he's, he's delegating to the little people. Yeah, but he's doing more than delegating. He's leading over and whispering. At that point, <laughs> just the microphone's right there. I mean... Oh, oh, can... oh, the wait, go back. So it's, it's not the guy, the Vulcan guy from later, no, no, is it? No, I'm talking about the Vulcan guy from later. I was just like, oh. I was tying your points together. I was like, if we just I had, see. you know, the actual lawyers lawyering this, we could save a, a step here. But I understand. Your point, we're keeping it hush-hush. I get it. Yeah, sort of. I, I, I'm assuming like it's it's a little bit of a wormhole for me. There is a point in this where I do have a specific wormhole, but I'm going to I'm trying to do my best to save it for the actual segment so that we don't get there like we, every week. And we're like, I mean, we already talked about it. So I mean, I've, if, if people cared about our competence, they would have quit the show a long time ago. Uh, but I have some wormholes, too. All right. So uh, Una's public defender says, take the deal. But she points out that he works for Starfleet, too. Uh, and it's like, I can't really trust you, which makes sense. I, I bet this happens a lot with like JAG officers because you're being prosecuted by the military. Your own lawyer works for the military and like is supposed to be independent. But I could I could understand being a little bit nervous about that. Well, uh, I mean, so these are these are not to get too far down the rabbit hole, but these are typical tactics used by kang in kangaroo court situations. Right. You have sure. Uh, well, we're impartial, but we're going to appoint a special prosecutor who is not impartial, but will be operating on our impartial behalf. Well, what? <laughs> it feels like yeah. you have a pretty strong uh, editorial opinion. I'm sorry, what, Bill Barr? <laughs> All right, so anyway, uh, meanwhile, Bane, I, I mean, Captain Pike. I can breathe just fine. I'm here to see the lawyer. Uh-huh. Uh, Captain Pike back from Anson Mount's paternity leave, oh. which is why he was busy in season. Thanks, Jason Moe. Yeah, better podcast. And, or people tell Jason us what Mo to say. Jason Moe is our better podcast. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, he's in search of a lawyer for number one on a planet that obviously has airs air like ours this summer of wildfire smoke. He, I, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Tangent. Um, I give myself two days a week that I pop onto the social medias and kind of check what's going on, just this sort of general thing. And I found on one of the social medias, probably most of them, but this one specifically, they just, their algorithm pushes to the top just the people who talk the most. It's not even, they don't try to- Right, uh, always. And I read this comment, which is so indicative of what I think is wrong with just about everybody, but- um, Wow, okay. I would just like our society, right? Our just like me, me, me culture. You need culture. to go to like a one shot so you can... Uh... No, let me just like give you the... Here's the bull... This was the person's Facebook post. Okay, this okay. was this, what they posted on... They, they, they said this to the public. Okay, this... I, I'm just... I, I'm warning you, you, if you don't want to have to make a cut, be careful. No, I'm saying what... it, man. Oh, okay, all um, right. They were just like tangentially even connected to me, but... So remember, Facebook generally you think, oh, I have to carefully craft... you. you craft a post that like lets people think I'm uh, caring or that I have a great life or some, whatever. It's a very like curated right, right. scenario. Okay, it says this. I really hope the Canadians get their ish together. These wildfires are ru ruining our pool days this summer. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. jaw agape. Wait, the problem with the wildfires and the death of our air is that you can't go to the pool? And the Canadians who yeah. are having their houses and themselves burned down oh, like half of the man. America! Even I know that that's a terrible thing to say. America! <laughs> God, we're such terrible people. Fly oh. like the eagle, John Ashcroft. That's right. That oh, wasn't the uh, song at all, but. Okay. Like an eagle, I will soar. Okay. If I you, love uh, the apparatus, you... though. I think it's just a sleep apnea mask, but. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, maybe that's Pike's one vulnerability. He, he snores. looks like he does. He can do everything. <laughs> he can cook like that. He's like slaying ladies across he the universe. He sounds like a boar when he's sleeping. But he's got terrible sleep apnea. <laughs> if he doesn't have a mask, he will literally Yo, die. His girlfriend, in his sleep. it's so bad his girlfriend sleeps on a different ship. <laughs> 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 not bad. I got Keith. I don't generally knock oh, him down like that. Okay. No, that's good. I mean, like, uh, I, I, I say this knowing that that's in my future, if not probably should already have. Well, so. I'm a sleep nomad, so I often have to sleep in a different room just because I can't stay in the same spot. You're going to need, like, the portable app. There's a mask. statistic out that, like, couples that sleep in different rooms actually have wildly more successful marriages. Well, you know, I tried that and got a divorce, so... <laughs> How many cuts do I have to make this episode? <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut to right. everything's left in. Uh, of course. No, yeah. we're leaving it all. All right. What's happening? All right. So he waits in the office of a fancy lawyer who refuses to meet with him. Baller He's, move here. Baller move. Oh, yeah. He's got to sit there all day, but he runs out of oxygen, which, okay. So here, we're, we're going to play another game of wormhole or strategy. Oh, the right. latter. I didn't read this as a wormhole at all. Okay, so like he 100% did this on purpose yes. because like he knew no that way. they weren't going to see her because he. I think he knew the history of the of the two people, and so he's like, well, they have to pick between this and me pretending to die. Like in a world where we have warp drive, I'm sure we could find a way not to run out of oxygen in an afternoon. Mm. 
Keep, no so, wonder uh, your negotiating skills are not very good. You're not willing to die. I mean, I'm willing to die if it's uh, if if it's just like a stupid argument that I feel like I should win. That's a hundred percent. But if it's a hill I'm, worth I'm, dying on, I'm, I'm no, no, lay no, no, down no. on the ground. No. Ew, there's bugs. All right, so uh, this causes the lawyer to finally meet with him, and she puts oxygen in her office, and he gasps awake. Uh, what a cool concept to have, like, a little button on mm -hmm. your desk to, like, make there be oxygen in your office. Mm -hmm. And That's we see a... a quick trailer of the Wicked movie right here. Oh, right. <laughs> there are 10 days from finishing filming before the strike happened. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I think it's going to be good. Cynthia Erivo is a national treasure. Yeah. And she's going to destroy that part. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Uh, and then we'll wait six years for the second half of the movie. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's like intermission is two years. <laughs> Man, this, these uh, drinks are expensive. <laughs> Inflation. <laughs> That's right. He spent two years spending $30 on like a thimble of wine. Great. Uh, oh, so these are the Illyrians on a planet, on this planet, and they're strong enough to survive in this atmosphere. Cool. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting to... I mean, they obviously settled here as opposed to uh, were from here originally. So it's it's such a dick move to a universe that's been so mean, so shitty to you to live on a planet where nobody can breathe except for you. So uh, he explains what ha uh, what's happening to the lawyer, whose name is Nira, uh, who apparently is old friends with Una, but she's no friend to the Federation. But she's fabulous uh, as hell. You're damn right. She says, or he says, I was wrong and the Federation was too. She says, let me know when the Federation knows that they're wrong. She apparently knows all about the case, even though the case is sealed. Those Illyrians, they're smart. But he convinces her using a bit of ego and a bit of nostalgia. Although, looking back at the end, was she planning to do this all along and just making him jump through hoops? I don't know. It was hard to hear anything reason? over the chip on her shoulder. Jesus. Mm, mm. I mean, speaking of chip on shoulders, look at Pike. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he looks like he's wearing Klingon shoulder pads. He sure does. Well, and the and like the uh, the spikes. I love what you've done with the violent vagina <laughs> uh, <laughs> sculptures everywhere. <laughs> so okay, somebody next Halloween, you've got to be goth Pike with violent vaginas on your shoulder. <laughs> you some may say violent, some say protective. Uh, it, de uh, it depends how you look at it. Well, it, it should be Bane Pike. You got to wear your sleep apnea mask <laughs> with your violent vaginas. Yo, now that is the custom I want to see. <laughs> Bane Pike with vagina shoulder pads, folks. <laughs> somebody Tee manifest it, it into the world. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, what's happening? Uh, Have you gotten any emails with Strange New Worlds customs yet? Uh, no, not yet. I can't imagine somebody's making them. Oh, definitely. It's got to happen. Uh, so it works, and she arrives on Earth to help Una. So uh, Nira and Una are salty. She says, I'm not here as your friend. Just tell me what happened. Ooh, that's never good. Nira points out that... And this is an interesting conversation that Nira points out that Una has chosen to pass as a non-Illyrian, but not all of us can uh, or would choose to allow that to happen. Obviously, there are tons of of uh, 
like undertones there, whether it's whether it's race or gender or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's a that's a complex thing, and especially a person of color saying that to someone mm-hmm. else. Like it's 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 interesting, and I thought it was a it was a cool thing to have there. It is. Um, I will say here, I felt. And I don't want to put it on the actress at all. It is not on the actress at all. She was she was a little scenery chewy, but not in a not in a distracting way. It's almost like a Johnny Cochran style uh, mm-hmm. that and, that they needed from her. So I totally understand that, and I think it tracks with she the character. She had to be flamboyant yeah. in some fashion. Yeah. <clears throat> but I do feel like the personal vice between them, though, when we get to the explanation of it and the courtroom scene of it, it it actually almost completely fixed it for me. But yeah. I will say that early on, it feels very hitting us, hitting a, a beating a dead horse with it. Like yeah. we get it. And two friends who, or, or ex-friends, people with a- Frenemies. Frenemies with a grudge, right? Uh, and let me tell you, I the stakes are different, but I have some, you know, some, some deep-seated issues with some of my old pals. Dude, do we need to talk? <laughs> no, not you. Um, okay. But- we don't, it's not the bulk of our conversation constantly, and we. it's not so overt. It felt, it just felt well, a little hand-fisted. but if you hadn't fisted. seen it, like, I don't think they've talked. Yeah, we get that. it, but they make, she makes a couple of snide comments here, and that totally tracks, but then it, like, continues every scene we see them together. She's yeah, throwing no, it they, I just felt they, a little they much. they hit it pretty hard. Yeah. No, they, they hit it pretty hard. Um, I would, it would be a huge complaint if they didn't, I think, very masterfully stick the landing, but we'll get there. Yeah, because you, you, you knew they had to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, so in the conversation, I'm definitely getting a gaze in the military analogy here. Mm. And having to serve in the Federation, hiding who you are, hiding your identity, because the institution itself does not accept you. Uh, or didn't. I mean, obviously it does now, but... I was getting much more, uh, like, more broad strokes, just racial uh-huh. overtones. Like, uh, having, you know, even people fighting in the Revolutionary War and the First World War who weren't accepted and Tuskegee and uh, just so much. It was, but I mean, all of the above, right? Basically yeah. any institution who uh, will gladly accept your service, but as long as you keep your mouth shut and don't really talk about your your problems with the hypocrisy of it. Right, and and I, th- I think the, you know, like if, if we go with the gays in the military thing, right? You know, you want to serve, the institution has outlawed you so you have that relationship, but also your friends, your partners, mm-hmm. your family who are like, why are you being a part of this thing that excludes you? Mm-hmm. It's a really, it's it's very complex. I have a, I have a very, and, and, and this is, I would really love the episode for it because her point is the easiest point to take, right? It's like, why would you want to, why are you holding this thing up? Right, as an ideal right. when it doesn't want you. I often, you know, I have, and I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole, but I often think about friends who engage me in religious discussions and mm-hmm. I'll keep all religions kind of I'll take it I'll keep it broad and I'll say they'll I'll say well you know you are supporting this religion who doesn't accept XYZ who are our friends and they say well yeah. I don't subscribe to that part of it and I was like but you give them money which then they can use with what they so there are I get that well, it's it's, a, it's it, a lot of needles to thread, man. No, it's I mean, like I think about my you know my friends who are actors who will work for like Sight and Sound, right? Who who are like you know specifically and intentionally like homophobic, right? But I know those friends are gay, 
but they're still working there, and it's it's a very strange situation. But it's not We're- unfair to say, you know, especially people who end up in leadership positions. Generally, you don't get to a leadership position if you don't have a little bit of an ego, right? Right. To say, I can make this better. I can change this. Well, I can, and, yeah. and, and that's the thing. Do you change from within or mm-hmm. you change from outside? And I think there is a great deal to be said for both. And which and, is why I think this ultimate plot line is very brave because, because yeah. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Starfleet in general is often seen and the way we handle things in Trek is also, also often very idealistic and based in these like right. lofty sci-fi ideals. And here it's like starting from a place of there's a grand hypocrisy taking place and yeah. uh, we're gonna face a head on here. Well, and, you know, and, and that change is slow and that change and don't always it, No, no, for sure. But I understand the faith in the institution that, you know, the, the Federation specifically, because it is sort of this idealized institution, is that it is willing and able to change and grow. And so, like, it's the, the bet that Una is making that when faced with the truth of the situation, when truly challenged, the Federation will choose to change mm. because they know that they're wrong. Whereas, you know, there's some institutions that, I mean, like the military, in, this, in the analogy we're using, hey, guess what? They changed it. Oh, why and, did our thing died? Hold on. I don't know. Uh, so, like, I don't know. Anyway, we're we're still in the freaking teaser. We gotta move. We're so, enjoying ourselves, man. <laughs> all right. Anyway, Captain Patel is not happy with her boyfriend. She comes into his quarters and says, "I didn't ask to be on this case," which is a fair point, but I'm doing the best I can to help Una. The deal that I offered was a pretty good one, and now, because she turned it down, the Feds are getting involved, and that's not good. Uh oh. So, uh, heroic music plays, and we get a shot of San Francisco before the meeting with the judge. You remember why we're in San Francisco? Um, uh, no. Because that is where Starfleet's home base is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're going to see San Francisco tons all over Star Trek because that's where they live. What a treat. So, uh, and there it is. uh, is Does that still exist? San Francisco, Francisco treat. treat. Yeah. Just in tune like that. <laughs> Professional musicians. Uh-huh. Boom. Right here. I heard a great quote last night, Keith, in the movie. I'm going to sh- I'm going to share it with you here. Even, spoiler for K&M Geekly. I won't tell you my opinion on the movie, but I'll say that this. They're trying to ex- they're trying to explain abstract thinking, creative thinking when it mm-hmm. comes to the maths, the arts, blowing the creates, up the world, the things. Yeah. And it was such a cool analogy, I thought. It, it's this character says to another character says, okay, it's very easy. When you look at sheet music, the question is not, can you read it? The question is, can you hear it? Mm. That's two different types of thinkers. And I was like, that is so brilliant. Okay. Yeah. No, well, I, and, but if you, okay, we're never going to finish this episode. <laughs> when you need to be able to hear it to sing it which is the practical thing. I can read it like, oh, that's an A, that's an E, that's a D. But if you're in a rehearsal, you need to be able to hear it to be able to sing it, which is a different part of your brain. Mm -hmm. All right, anyway. So uh, a Vulcan admiral has now shown up to take over the prosecution. 
they're going to trump up the charges by adding sedition. And now they want a dishonorable dismissal and 20 years in prison. Uh-oh. So in Act 1, naturally, we're going to have to fight back. Nira says the first witness is Robert April, who sponsored Una's application to Starfleet and promoted her. And Nira says this is not good news because they're not going to put him up there for no reason. Uh, Una wants to testify, but Nira naturally says no. The facts of the case, i.e., is she an Alarian? Did she hide it? Are not really in dispute. So this whole thing has to be about the justness of the law, not whether or not she broke the law. Uh, the affirmative defense, uh, what, what defense was that? Remember from the, from the practice? Uh, during nullification? During nullification, yeah. Yeah, 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 there it is. So Laan helps Nira set up in Una's quarters. Um, interesting pairing here with Laan being related to Khan. Um, and also the fact that they they've built this amazing quarters set that they clearly just redress yep. for every uh, every character, which means that all of them get this amazing quarters on the ship. Mm-hmm. They're living a lot nicer than they do even on the Enterprise D. She, another incredible performance by her here. Like so much she has to play about her own strife and her struggle with mm-hmm. this thing, and it and it's she's just so good. Yeah. No, for sure. And and I, I look at her performance now through the lens of having seen her play Goofy. Do comedy, yeah. And realize how funny she is mm-hmm. and playing this other character. It's, it's fascinating. Well, good is good. <laughs> good is good. So Laan offers to help, and she asks about a prior case uh, and uh, says that possibly this might all be from the fruit of a poisonous tree and that perhaps some of the evidence against Una was illegally obtained and thus could get the case thrown out. So is she working under the assumption here that what they got was her personal log and someone must have stolen her personal log? Yes, I I think that's the idea. Um, And so therefore, if it was stolen, then it wouldn't wouldn't be admissible. So uh, later, Pike is in 10 forward and his girlfriend sits down. We learn that Pike will be a character witness for Una. So she asks, how'd you meet? And he gives... (laughs) You're welcome, wonderfully attractive actress who now has that on the internet. That's her her opinion of my screenshot. Yeah, she's looking at you specifically saying, why is... What have you done to... Uh, like, do you want me to go and start screenshotting from KM Empire? Because I, I got much me worse. A script. It didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Hey, no. Stop scratching the couch. Oh, my God. Hold on. This is Charlie. Charlie wants to be on the show today. So yep. we're going to. He's like, would him... you get on with it, guys? Jesus. I know. Like, quite literally. So, uh,. He gives a speech. Oh, so he he met Una giving a speech at her graduation ceremony. And she tries to warn Pike about testifying because it will leave him open to exposure himself for hiding her secret and possibly less the rest of the crew as well. I bet they're going to follow that up. Also in 10 Forward are Otegas and Obenga who are watching Spock and the Vulcan ambassador talking from a distance. Mbenga is able to spot that they hate each other. And uh, it's true. 
Spock gets up and apologizes for his non-existent outburst and explains that this guy worked with his father and brings out the worst in him. This is the lone comedic beat of the episode, and it, it is a gem, in my opinion. I had a hearty, hearty LOL when Spock is like, excuse my outburst. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just classic Vulcan, classic Vulcan humor. It's very good. Uh, which is weird because Spock in this timeline has out, like real outbursts all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, still funny. I think I got a screenshot of it. I'll bring it up later. It's I, There's an interesting makeup decision or conundrum they have in HD. We'll talk about it when I see the screenshot. Okay. So later, La'an goes up to Uhura and asks her to collect all communications mentioning Una in the last six months, including personal logs. La'an is looking for who turned Una in. Uhura says, uh, it's against the law. We need to find it another way. So in Act Two, but the couldn't trial... she have couldn't she have here come clean and been like, I want to know who accessed my logs? And... Well, she's well. She, I think what she's trying to do is confirm that it was her logs, mm-hmm. and there weren't like three other people having that conversation. Okay. So, so I, yeah, I just like needed to narrow that down. So in Act Two, the trial begins, and our heroes watch on the conference room TV. Behind them. Uh, is a really, that's a great shot. I don't think I even clocked that one the first time. It's cool. What's that? That's it. You want to have your courtroom like clinging to a cliffside? I mean, I uh, guess it's if, cool. for who, if you're the one on trial, you're like, well, at least the last shot, last sight I see of the world before I go to prison is a beauteous one. Well, you know, or also like, you know, your trial's not going well when <laughs> the trial takes place already on Alcatraz. Yeah. <laughs> Can you swim? Can you swim? Not that well. So uh, anyway, behind them in on the Enterprise, hopefully we'll get a shot of it, is a cool poster of Zephram Cochran's ship from First Contact. And we're going to see another one later in the background. Una wears uh, a great take on the original series dress uniforms, while the judges have an interesting take on sort of the disco uniforms a little bit. Um, or at least the color scheme of the disco uniforms. Great production design. Like, gosh, what a what an expensive looking room. I mean, it's all, you know, plywood and stuff, but like it looks mm. great on camera. They put in a chip that reads the charges. The yellow info chip is also a nod to the original series. That's how they put their uh, computer. <laughs> it was before floppy disks existed, but they, they sort of thought of that idea, and that's what they were, were thinking. The computer voice we hear is vaguely reminiscent of Majel Barrett's voice, but I feel this would have been a great opportunity to actually use Majel Barrett's voice. Um, because I believe that, you know, because we hear that computer voice from the original series, which was Majel Barrett then, um, and I, I believe she recorded herself saying everything phonetic, you know, saying all the phonetic sounds so that they could use her voice later. Um, it's odd, before she died, that is. It's odd they didn't use it. Uh, anyway, she pleads not guilty. So Captain Patel gives her opening statement, explaining why they are against genetic engineering. She talks about the eugenic wars that killed tens of millions of people, plus it interferes with natural evolution. Now it's Nira's turn. She says that yes, Una broke the law, 
but points out a multitude of unjust laws in human history, uh, from our actual, our own history, and that the Federation has unwittingly become persecutors in this situation, i.e. forcing people into hiding just like we have done all throughout our history with religion, sexuality, nationality, etc. Um, very good point. I mean, you know, it's a great, again, good sci-fi is pointing a finger back at us mm -hmm. through a sci-fi lens. Next up is April. He uh, used to be Uno's mentor. He really likes her, but is forced to admit that had he known, he would not have sponsored her for Starfleet. And, uh, you know, Mike knows now how important it is to sponsor someone for Starfleet, as we saw uh, Cisco do that for Nog. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if she... Uh, did she make Una inventory a cargo bay to make sure she didn't steal stuff? I don't know. She probably didn't get bribed either. <laughs> probably not. But before April leaves, Nira confirms that it that him not sponsoring her would be because of the law, not personal. Then she brings up the Prime Directive, non-interference, and she points out times in which April broke the Prime Directive, breaking the law for what's right, very clearly demonstrating his hypocrisy. Yeah, let's she not forget, uh, last week we stole the Enterprise. <laughs> right. Yes, we generally frown <laughs> on stealing starships. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was, like, well, I just, it like, was all recommend. You know, we, we explained a lot of that away, and they do it here, where a starship captain can make unilateral decisions. Yeah, part of the job. Uh, she also makes a really interesting, a really important point, and uh, points out that Una was genetically modified before her birth, and did not choose to be modified herself, which I think should be a distinction. Uh, I don't think it should matter either way, but. Certainly in the legal case, it is a, you know, it's like a, the dreamer sort of a situation. Mm -hmm. April loses it a bit and says he believes in the law to protect the Federation from genocide. He's like, I believe in this law, and Nira calls him a racist with a fair amount of cause. Can we do a little uh, lore here? Because... Yes. Can you explain to me a little better the eugenics wars like what what was the sort of what's the what's the headline here well the the headline is um people started genetically modifying themselves and uh some of them i.e khan went sort of megalomaniacal and crazy and started to try to take over the world because they were like superior beings hmm. um, okay. and they were really smart and really strong and really powerful and thus very successful at it, and people took from that that genetic modification makes, makes you, you a supervillain. Mm. That um, really influences what she says. If, she says later to Una. Or yeah, it's Una, a it's um, a sort of like steroids and aggression, right? If you take steroids, then you're going to go around killing people. Mm -hmm. So that's that's sort of the idea. It's the uh, because there was a Benoit. Nope, not, I'm not going to go down that road. Yeah, I was I was literally about to jump the Benoit, but let's not. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's like, it it right rage, not the crippling, unbelievable CTE. But it's the po the but point that anyway. that's not that does that because uh, there's a pattern, it doesn't make it causation, right? That's that's right. Well, yeah. uh, that's right, and and it was sort of like because of Khan, all genetic modification was 
put in the same box. And, so that's and the weight that Laan is wearing. Like yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, basically, like, you're bad and scary and, and evil, and you're probably going to try to take over the universe with any level of genetic engineering. And the Illyrians are like, we got nothing to do with Khan. Right. And and that's and that's where um, he, you know Nira calls him a racist because it's like you're you're assuming that well because this guy all people are like that. Uh, so the judge shuts it all down and strikes it from the record. Later, April goes to Pike, and he knows that Pike brought in this lawyer. He's pissed and refuses a drink and leaves. In the holding cell, Una is also pissed. But Nira says, keep your eye on the big picture. I'm trying to overturn a law, not just get you off. Una doesn't get it, which is weird. Bit of a wormhole here when retroactively we see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Share. And she, th- she thinks that Nira just hates the Federation. They bring up their mysterious past again, but we don't know what it is. Uh, yes, big wormhole at the end, I'll save. Yes. Uh, I think we both have the same one. Mm-hmm. So in Act 3, Nira calls in the character witnesses, La'an, Spock, and Mbenga. They give us some backstory. We see the witness stand hand lights for a measure of a man. Nice little touch. Um, I should explain to Mike, who probably doesn't know it, uh, one of the best episodes of The Next Generation, especially in the early seasons, it was an episode called Measure of a Man where we had a sort of a similar courtroom drama about whether or not Data was a person mm-hmm. and had and, and was and, and had sentience and was able to like make his own decisions or was he property of the Federation. Um, and it was a fantastic episode, sort of a very uh, similar tone. This is obviously sort of a, a twist on that. Um so, uh, Laon says, I never thought she was hiding anything. Then uh, Spock says, I sure did. An affinity for Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> <sighs> I get the attempt at the joke. I get where you're going there, but you forgot to make it funny. That uh, was your mistake. Um, yeah, just swing and a miss. Anyway, Laon says that Una sponsored that Una sponsored her application for Starfleet and that she saved her life multiple times. Spock makes the point that Starfleet punishing Una is really punishing itself with the loss of her work. Um, another great point. Then Laon comes into Nira's room with some info. She asks if Laon has figured out who ratted Una out. And she realizes that Laon thinks it was her. She recorded a personal log the night she found out that she thinks somebody stole. Nira wants to know why Laon was angry about it uh, when she found out. And she asks if Laon carries her father's augmentations, which Laon says yes. Uh, so am I right in thinking that we just confirmed that Laon also has genetic uh, 
adaptation. Which doesn't that sort of like neuter her anger from the? I mean, like you can't. She's just be the like, same. You're the same. It's not like you're, my friend lied to me. Like that can't be part of the anger. It's well, I'm sure it's complicated. But I think but, it is. I, I yeah. think it is. Like you, you lied. Well, we to could me. have been commiserating this whole time. But then I, isn't she I, also lying to her then if she's hiding her modifications? Yeah, and and like you know, what are those La modifications? I have so many thoughts. But Laon is afraid of herself turning mm -hmm. into a megalomaniacal supervillain. So and this Nira scene, says, by the way, uh, harken back to me. <laughs> I couldn't believe I was, I'm about to reference Star Trek V, but uh, ah! where Spock's brother, like, remember they're like, oh, he's doing the brainwash, but we turned out it's actually just pretty good psychotherapy. Uh -huh. uh, we get a little nod to that here because this is some great psychotherapy. Like so much empathy comes from this woman in this scene. I was like, oh, I was moved. Yeah, well, and and like such a this is like such an important life thing. Uh, I actually think because, it's great pacing wise too because you're still on the fence in this episode at this point as whether she's just doing this to get the national attention on her, what's important to her. Not that it's not right. important. Like, but is that she it, Johnny Cochran? Yeah. Or not? Yeah. But here you learn, oh, she, it, her convictions are strong in this department, and yeah. it's not, it's not self-centered. It's not to pr to promote her her practice or you know her, her right right her personality a, a true mission here. her brand yeah. if you will yeah and uh and she says the important thing your genetics are not destiny which is exactly what the federation is treating it as mm -hmm. she says you have the same capacity for good and evil as the rest of us uh it's a great thought and a great scene although i did think that the music was a little much interesting and undercut yeah. the importance of that scene a little bit okay but I will say that we talk. Keith and I talk a lot about talked a lot about a, a lot about this in our uh, out of practice podcast. Ah, it's the right shirt for today. You can tell a lot about the skill not not ubiquitously, but you can tell a lot about the skill of an actor actress uh, when there is a scene where you can tell they want to ball their eyes out, but it's just. Boop, boop, it just comes right to here. And in this scene, they both are on the precipice because they're so moved and so yeah. filled with emotion, but they do not, it does not even break the, the surface, which is really skilled. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think you just take the music out and that scene is great. The music just made it a, made it a little bit cheesy and it didn't need to be. Uh, wormhole thought, now that we found out that uh, you know, Laon is genetically modified. Uh, considering Laon's last name is Noonien Sung and she's literally related to freaking Khan, would the Federation not have checked out her DNA just to, just a touch? Yeah, there's a lot of questions there. Um, I just thought it was assumed she had like some residual well, stuff, but. I assumed so in the pilot, but now as we're, you know, like clearly the Federation would not stand for that. So I, the way I fix that wormhole is that um, Federation believing in its own laws, you know, without probable cause mm. to check out her DNA, they couldn't. Okay. Um, but I feel like they might have done it on the DL or something. I don't know. It's, it's, it is interesting that she's able to keep that secret. Her name is freaking Khan. Anyway. Uh, or it's not her name isn't Khan. Anyway. But for all we know, Keith, she... She's making a lot of assumptions about herself based on her right her history. Well, so, don't we all? Yeah. So perhaps she doesn't know. Maybe she's assuming she has these 
augments that she doesn't she doesn't or she well she thinks she does clearly yeah, right yeah that, that's interesting i don't know so uh she reassures Laan there's no way that she accidentally ratted out Una. And they set back to the task of finding out who really did. Uh, I forget exactly why she knows that, but I, it, it didn't bump me at the time, so there was obviously a, a... She explained it. Back in the court, Nira calls Una to the stand after saying, you're not testifying. Nope, take it back, you are testifying. We find out that Una's been in Starfleet for 25 years. And she explains why she joined Starfleet. The title of the episode, We Must Endure Hardship to Get to the Stars, but thought the stars for her may provide salvation. She then asks about her childhood. She grew up in a Federation colony that agreed, uh, uh, Illyrian colony, that agreed to turn off all genetic manipulation in exchange for membership in the Federation. And her family was forced to go underground to continue their tradition of augmentation. And if they'd been caught, they'd be arrested. We also see, as they're watching TV, the Enterprise NX-01 on the wall. Very cool. Um, nice. I, it, it might have been there that whole time. I just never noticed it until this episode, but who knows? Anyway, Una, Una faced a lot of prejudice as a child for being an augment or people thinking she might be an augment. And one of her childhood friends uh, was arrested and all of their family were persecuted. Clearly, I'm now getting uh, a trans allegory because what she's describing is pretty much what trans people and their families are increasingly dealing with. But the with. friend was clearly this lady's brother or cousin or something? The, 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 the lawyer? Oh, I did not get that. Oh, I sure did. She kept they kept sharing eyes, and she was start, she was starting to get weepy every time she mentioned the friend. I think this is the explanation of what happened in their friendship. Is this her? It's Ooh. totally her, hundred percent, in my opinion. Oh, that's why snap. this scene worked so well for me because we see the the, the lawyer changing too because she's finally getting the right. I don't want to say apology, was... but there's a lot there's a lot of understanding being oh, exchanged. Oh, that's so much cooler. Yeah. That's way better. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks She's for like, fixing She that kept for saying me. my friend. You know, it's like when you're trying to introduce your uh your uh let's say old world thinking family to your boyfriend and uh -huh. you keep saying my he's my friend, he's my friend uh -huh. and they're yeah, like Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's kind of what's happening here. Interesting. I like it. So Una also tells the story of breaking her leg and not being able to get help, which we saw in the teaser. They eventually, on the colony, broke the city into two separate cities, the Illyrians and the non-Illyrians, or the augmented and the non-augmented. And her family chose to secretly live in the non-augmented city, passing as non-Illyrians. Uh, th this is... Oh, so I thought here that this was the subtext between them, because she talked about abandoning, being abandoned. Yeah, so this lady's cousin or brother, whomever, her. got arrested because they look like Illyrians. They couldn't do what you did, which was go hide out. Or in the, was it the? Or was it her herself who got arrested? I believe she said my friend's cousin or, was it or brother. Was her who got arrested? Yeah, it's, it could could have been. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the sense of abandonment was very clear. What I wasn't clear about was 
their relationship? Were they friends? Were they romantically involved? I don't know. When they split cities. Yeah, my the feeling I got was that they were, I mean, like what I took from it, who knows, but that is just that they were really, they were best friends. And yeah. whilst she continued to be persecuted because she wore the, their family had, had been outed, right? Yeah. Una's family was able to escape and like hide out. And pass. And get, yeah. yeah. Yeah, obviously. Code switch, basically. And there's a lot of resentment there. And I think she's starting to realize. And so she started to resent the Federation and that Una's, Una's take to it was still continuing to pass into. But, right. but now, but here she is. What I loved about this scene was that um, Una's realizing that her friend who endured all these things is actually the person who's <laughs> through hardship at Astra because she's now saving her ass and helping to expose positively the the hypocrisy and well, in in retro in reverse una is seeing that her friend is or, or she is seeing that una actually wasn't isn't trying to pass she is actually trying to hold a mirror up to starship was trying to so they're both learning about each other i just thought it was and a, and she's learning that una didn't have it so easy yes like she just like assumed oh you you know easy peasy over there well no it was actually pretty bad on my end too uh, good stuff. Great stuff. And the Vulcan in this scene actually is a great, is it's it's a great, well, we're about to get there, but because you, you, they kind of play him or at least frame him as a quote unquote a baddie, you know, like he's just like, right. he's just out, he's got a vendetta or whatever, but a persuasive argument that's about to happen can also, sh there, that's where we get back to the ideals, right? What if, Keith, <laughs> we lived in a place where a persuasive honest based argument could actually the people the pa the political power at bay could say oh you know what maybe we were wrong maybe yeah yeah we're we're in a post-truth world so <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> anyways <laughs> so nira asks una who turned you in and after some badgering una admits she turned herself in and she turned herself in because she was so sick of living a lie she wanted to safely live as who she is and for Starfleet to accept her. When she was a child, she saw the wonder of the diversity of Starfleet and thought she might find a home there. And she turned herself in, not because she's angry at Starfleet, but because she believes in Starfleet. But then the Vulcan dick takes over the prosecution. He asks Pike when he knew about he asked when Pike knew about her status. He's going to go after Pike and the whole chain of events, and now it's a conspiracy. She's forced to tell the truth that Pike's known for four months. Oh, shit. So in Act 4, Mike, do you have it queued up? I'm assuming a, a, a podcaster of your caliber would have it queued up. Hold on. I'm cycling still. I... I was so enamored by your summary, Keith, that I did not uh... cycle through ten thousand screenshots. Yeah, it's funny because there's this. It, it in Deep Space Nine, the setups are so there are only a certain amount of setups per act, but here there's so right. many setups. It's hard to assume, make assumptions. Okay, what am I? What do I have queued up? Uh, well, we're at a certain point in the trial, and in our previous podcast, oh, I don't have that shit this... anymore. It's in the folder. I put it there for you. Okay, hold on. Damn it. I As a professional you... myself. <laughs> I was so keen on getting the auto screenshots to work that I really haven't put any effort into anything else this week. 
So oh, I also week... changed the trivial trivia plate thing that you, you know, I did all that stuff. No, that's true. Yeah, fair enough. But every week on the practice, we reached this moment in the episode, and we always played this fantastic jingle that I wrote keep, for keep, the keep, show, keep, The keep, Practice. Keep cycling. <laughs> We're so good. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. Wait till oh, I do the edit, the and, that all, and that all timed out without. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. Wow. The nostalgia. It's closing time, folks. And the Vulcan dick says she's guilty. Which, by the law as written, she kind of is. But then, Nira pulls out the Starfleet Code of Conduct in actual book form. Yes, Mike? This is my thing. I think I have... Well, this screenshot's a good one. So, okay, we're shooting 4K. Mm-hmm. 21.9. High def. Yeah. HDR, baby. But we're still using the old, like, stick them, cover up your eyebrows so we can paint the other eyebrows on. I mean, I can see this man's full eyebrows. <laughs> He's like, I am not shaving my eyebrows but for, like... But couldn't we, like, just put green tape on them and green screen them out? Like, couldn't... Can we do some... We have to have a solution. It's His eyebrows are right there. That is 100% true. We gotta yep. come up with a better choice. Guys, figure it out. You're able to create photorealistic wild <laughs> aliens running about, popping yeah. out of chests. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. This, nope, they didn't there's... even try. They're like, yeah, hey, he's got one close-up. And there's also something, they've, they've changed the makeup on the Vulcans and Romulans that I... <sighs> you think they're too ashy? They're not ashy enough, I think. Oh, you want them they... whiter, like grayer. Or, or something, because like it, they always... They've always looked at, with like a different skin. Have we seen a bald tone. Vulcan before? I think probably, but he looks way too human because of they, they've just allowed his natural skin tone. To and be his eyebrows. He's got eyebrows. And his eyebrows. Okay. He like the, the it's starting to look like cosplay. Vulcan. I mean, does that count as a full wormhole? To me, it does. It, it's like if it breaks the immersion for me, that's a wormhole, baby. Yeah, yeah. They they got whatever they did in the makeup for the Vulcans and the Romulans in the '90s. They need to go back to doing because it doesn't. It feels weird. It's missing the the skin color that we're used to. Anyway, uh, she pulls out the Starfleet Code of Contact in actual book form. So in the Starfleet codes. There is an asylum provision, and Nira has already laid out all of the groundwork to prove that Una qualified for the asylum, including turning herself in. Uh, This is my big wormhole, right? Um, First off, it's a bit of a deus ex machina. We haven't set this up, right? There is like this magical thing in there, but... uh, you know, certainly asylum, like, I totally get it. Yes, a million percent, of course, Starfleet would have asylum laws. But asylum within Starfleet seems odd. Like, 
if you face this persecution, you get to be an officer in the Starfleet. It's like asylum seekers here, though they may be pro profoundly worthy of asylum, they don't get to join SEAL Team 6, right? <laughs> so well, like not only that, but like, I'm sorry to like, maybe split a hair here, but Asylum sort of does, they, they have to go on a technicality here in that because she asked Pike not to say anything, basically that's her asking for Asylum. It's not really, it's, she didn't say the words. No, I'm it was her turning herself into Starfleet was her like outing herself. It, it wasn't It wasn't when she went to Pike. But don't, clearly, don't you have to say I'm being persecuted? I need, I want Asylum? Uh, like, don't you have to, like, have I, actually I, I, been I, seeking asylum? Like, you can't I, just, like, retroactively say, like, hey, you know, Keith, he didn't know it. He backdoored himself into asylum. I think you have to actually, there's some sort of intent necessary. Specifically declare, which I, I think the argument is that this trial is her doing Correct. that. Correct. I get it. I get the point. But, I'm just saying, yeah. And then, so, okay, so great. So we're not going to put you in prison for 20 years, but we're just going to let you go back and command a starship? Well, yeah, that, uh, well, but that's... It's it's written like if you meet these qualifications, you are put into Starfleet, as opposed to like you take you to a Federation planet where people aren't shitty. Mm -hmm. I, I'm so confused by this. Anyway, uh, she tells unless, the court unless no, hold on. Oh. I I've tried to fix this. I've tried to square this circle. Please, please fix this for me. I don't know that I can, but here was my where I started. Maybe you can get me the, the rest of the way. So from the beginning, they didn't. They clearly didn't want this like on TV and stuff. They're trying to keep this quiet because they're trying to save right. their own ass, right? Right. So under that premise, if we can find a way, maybe they're doing. She's doing everyone a favor here. She's they're basic. She's basically like, oh, if we go, if if we accept this, and we just let her go back to where she was, we can get back to the no harm, no foul. Nothing happened here. Nothing to see. Bye, 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 bye. Now, it does set huge precedent for, right? Like, doesn't this set a huge precedent for anybody who's like, any Illyrians who are like, hey, yeah, I was looking for asylum too. Or does anybody being persecuted anywhere, yeah. like, just like walks onto the bridge and starts pressing but buttons? But also, it's not a trial Starfleet. trial, right? It's more like a like a, a court-martial tribunal type scenario. So it's, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what kind of precedent it actually holds or... How under think, seal it is, we don't really know. Well, yeah, I think precedent holds. I don't know if it is public. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know. But that's not my big wormhole, actually, but we'll get to it. I'm saving Interesting. it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, Nearest tells the court to affirm and absolve them both. Because they see, they all have shit eating grins. They all are pleased as punch to be like, yeehaw, she innocent. Well, I mean, by the code of conduct, yeah, it I, is a, I, yeah, I, it is a great. I agree with that. I just like it's. They didn't write that code particularly well. <laughs> I'm thinking um, she was sitting on this all the way back. Well, that's my other when wormhole. Una came into we'll her room. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. So uh, Pike's girlfriend seems very happy that she's about to lose. Though it's interesting that she's going to get off on a technicality. So is the Vulcan. Sort. He's shit eating grin the whole time. Yeah, he's like, yeah, she did it. She really tried. I don't she really a grin. For a I, don't, I, don't, I don't interpret that as a grin. Oh, I saw I, him grinning. I saw everybody. I, I saw all the I judges. I saw them. I interpret that as incredulity. Them. Oh, I see. Yeah. 
I disagree. I think they played, they, they directed this scene. They're like, everybody, I think you guys are all realizing it. We're all on the same page. Happy, let's do some smiling. But well, we, why don't they all stand up and slow clap? It, I mean, it, the music sort of swells to that. Music was bad in this episode. Not not the composition, the use of it. Uh, anyway, so, so they're going to get off on a technicality and not actually face the spirit of the law, um, which is weird, but it would have been a little too easy had they overturned the actual law and also would have been canonically problematic. Mm -hmm. So I get it. Well, they do a full uh, punt. It, she even says as much in her weirdly heroic speech here, like in passing the buck entirely. <laughs> we are going to pass the buck. We are punting. We are passing this on to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, we that's 100% are... the scene. We are cowardly moving forward. <laughs> They auditioned Lilith White for this role. She didn't want it, and so I am here. <laughs> Who's Lilith White? Who am I thinking of? You know, uh, Angela. You mean Angela Lansbury no. or Lilius White? L or? No. Angela oh. from from Tony. <laughs> from who's the boss? From Tony. <laughs> What's her name? <laughs> you gave. Look it up. I, I know who you're talking about now. Who's the boss? Um, Judith Light. <laughs> Judith Light. <laughs> but you said it with such confidence. Yeah, like she did. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> what a bit. That bit just disintegrated. Okay. Oh, oh, wouldn't be the first, won't be the last. <laughs> it works, of course, and everybody is there waiting for Una as she beams back aboard. Then we find out that Nira figured out Una's plan uh, and was able to pull all of that off, which is another giant wormhole. Why would she just not tell her in the first scene? I don't know. I See, this is, I just, I don't, it's a wormhole one way or the other, but I disagree. I don't think it was Una's plan at all. I think it was as deus machina to Una as it was to, to her friend, to everyone else. You think? Yeah. She, that was my wormhole, is that like, what was Una's plan in all of this? She turned herself in because she felt she didn't want to hide anymore, get it. But like, we saw the future in which she goes to prison, right? We saw that future, where because she didn't have right. this plan, she had no out. I don't actually see how Spock, like, I actually don't see how like the, but we saw the future in which oh, she, she- boy, that's another wormhole, right? Like how did, what? What was the change? What? How did Spock's existence because, not being dead? Right, hold on. Let, let's 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 go to wormholes because we have we have a lot of thoughts. Oh, okay. So we're counting the episode done now. Okay, yeah, yeah, friends. Everybody's okay. We're friends yeah. now, and I'm beaming away, and all. She beams out. Okay. She's all good. All right, here we go. I thought they were romantically. Like, Punch it. It, it Punch could it. be. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, we can beat it. Punch it, punch it. Let's punch it. Punch it, let's get that. Those disco collars were horrible. Punch it! Punch it, punch it hot light. Punch it! Punch it, Fisher! Hammer! Hammer! Just punch it, man, just punch it. Punch it, punch it, punch it! Let's punch it. Hit it. Yo, Adrian! It's the punchies! <laughs> the punchies are the best part of that. All right, so let's continue our wormholes discussion here. Yeah, like, I don't think Una had any, uh, that's my biggest, what was her plan? Like, she, it's, she's clearly get being, 
she just didn't want to hide anymore, which I get, which makes sense. And so she was like, I'll turn myself in and, and let the chips fall where they may. Cool. But I don't think she was seeking asylum. I don't think she had, I think, I really think that was, we were in, supposed to interpret what the asylum thing as the skill of that lawyer figuring that out for her. I I actually took it the other way. I, I did take it as Una's plan the whole time because she did have to sort of take steps to meet that requirement, including turning herself in, right? Because I, I think her turning herself in is why I believe that she planned it because otherwise, why would she do it? Yeah, but um, then she would have known the whole time how the tri the show trial would have come. She would have known that they were going to go to get her friend. Like, I just, I'd love to know what y'all yeah. think. We got to, we we're going to need to not choose sides, but like, did you, how did you interpret it? Because that's, it's actually going to probably be here. All right, getting, so that's my big wormhole. Also, I thought, uh, and maybe it's too, this is too tricky to try to figure out because ripple effect, butterfly effect is like the smallest right. things, but we saw the future right. in which 100%, yeah. she goes to prison for 20 years. And the thing we changed was that we saved Spock's life by not, I forget what Pike well, had to Well, do. Pike allows the accident to happen, but that's 10 years in the future. Right. So, so like, like what why would changed? this have played out differently? Right. right. Well, I guess I, Pike, well, you would assume that alternate Pike would probably have gone to this lady he would have made the same decisions right like what what about his experience with the romulans changed how he handled this situation which caused her to be in prison for 20 years right oh okay so that's <laughs> another wormhole and that was the one other one we mentioned earlier uh uh oh it was a it was a big one. Hold on. <laughs> Did you write it down? Uh, it was. It's in my. It's in my my thing somewhere. <laughs> this is really good TV. Well, we mentioned her earlier. Oh, oh. Uh, well, th there's there's the Laon thing about them checking her DNA with her also being genetically modified and nobody knowing. But I don't think that's the one you're talking about. No, there's something else. All right. Well, we mentioned it, so it's yeah. There's true. there's a lot of wormholes in this episode. Oh, I got another one. Here's, and, and this is more, I'm sure we could like legalize it away, but it seems highly improbable, right? That they would choose Pike's girlfriend to be the counsel on this because she is rife with conflict of interest. of interest. Rife. In fact, to the point where, even if you were gonna say, well, we're trying to put the screws to Pike by using her, but they have every reason to believe that she would be sympathetic to Pike and sympathetic to his crew. And so they'd be like, well, we don't want to use her because we want to nail Una. Right, right, yeah. No, I mean, the conflicts of interest there would be very like, I strong. get that from a narrative standpoint, oh, it creates tension between her and Pike, and that's that's it's interesting to play, but it makes no sense to me that they would use her. They're better off using yeah. Robert April or somebody like somebody with, with some, some gravitas or whatnot. Yeah. Or just the yeah. Vulcan who's sitting next to her who seems to have an axe to grind anyway. Right. 100%. Like, it's... It seems like false drama. False, what do you call it? False I, antagonist. Well, and I and I think that that is... That's... The whole episode is filled with false stakes, false mysteries, false drama. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like the... The, the whole deus ex machina mystery, like... All right, so 
easily, I think, she had this plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. Before she even implemented the plan, she should have reached out to that lawyer. See, I already. disagree. With, I still and disagree. So, like, with we, that. we've we've got this, we've got this plan, we've got this whole thing. Uh, let's let's figure out this together. I mean, uh, like, like then- but but like the show sets it up like this genuine genuinely was her plan. Nira says to the court, "This was Una's plan." She's saving her ass. She's saving her ass. They are, that's giving way too much agency to Una there. She, it's definitely the lawyer who's who's pulling the trick. The only thing we're missing, and maybe it was there and they cut it, is that scene in every effing legal drama of, uh, what's the character's name? I keep forgetting her name, the the, the lawyer, the friend lawyer. Nira. Nira, of Nira in her study, going through the books, talking to right. the commuter, do, pulling an all-nighter, and, fi- and then, oh, I found it, right? And like, th- that moment. They we don't get that scene, but it, you might as well have it because that's how I'm interpreting it. It's like she found it. Oh, I found the loophole, and it's in. Well, I I I, she, think, I mean like I think that's the, true. I I think that happened. What bumps me is none of that was necessary. If no. this was Una's plan, Una I think she's finding like, the loop. I think that Una turned herself in, saying like I'm not going to do this anymore. Let the chips fall where they may. And eventually, she was like, "Wait, you turned yourself into Pike, so you actually." So she, she pretended that it was Una's plan when it wasn't in he, court. I I think she's saying it. There's no intent is necessary. She did it. She asked for help. She 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 checks the requirements, regardless of knowing she did it or not. That's what I think. Yeah, well, I think it holds up a little better that way. Although it definitely strips Una of a lot of her agency. Yeah, but that but it shows that she needed her friend and that her friend did her a fucking solid here. Because otherwise, you know, what I mean, like it's and it shows that is I think it's supposed to show how oh we did pick the right lawyer. Because the whole time I'm thinking, why would they pick this lady if if they're so afraid she has an axe to grind and she's they're they're right, not friends right. anymore? Like why do we pick her? And they're like, oh, she's a genius, even though she just found a thing. And do you notice where the bookmark was? I loved this. If you look, go back and look at the shot where the of the huge mm-hmm. legal book. The 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 little ribbon, you know, the bookmark is at the very back, Keith. So she had to read that whole goddamn book to get to that. <laughs> yeah, she did. Yeah, oh, that's that's interesting. So, so then it just makes it all right. So, what the hell was Una's plan here to do this? Right? Like because, she. But, well, like, if you go back and watch the better podcast, if you go back and watch the last scene of season one where she gets arrested, she's very resigned. She definitely, so well, you can be like, okay, she turned herself in. And I don't think she had some plan. She's like, oh, eventually I'm going to say asylum because she would have just done it right then and there. I'm seeking asylum. Right. Well, so, yeah. So, but so she did turn herself in. Yeah. But then she had absolutely no plan. No, for I think, how, no. For how to do that or, or like what the which, plan. Which like, then, so in my world, I've remembered it now. In my world, under my reading of the plot here, and that's all yeah. we're going on is my interpretation. We want to, we'd love to know yours. The wormhole then becomes, why not take the deal? Right. If you don't have a plan, why would you rather rot in prison for twenty years? Maybe to be like, as a martyr, be to be to Mandela it and be like, this is hypocrisy. Here's the you know, but why not just take but- the deal? Well, but it, it, but if your plan was to challenge the law, right, which would be the the great, bold, like brave thing to do, I'd want to have a plan for how I'm going to do that before I turn myself in. 
Yeah, like what were the events of the finale that made her think now's the time I have to do this? Or I guess we right. don't know when she did and, the turn in. And what her, and like, okay, so you get arrested, then what? You've got to, she's got to have a plan for then what? Yeah, because uh, not, her, lawyer, you, her initial lawyer was like, well, it's a good deal, take the deal. Yeah, I mean, like her her plan was like Deus ex friend of Mika. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Let's talk about our best moment, shall yeah. we? That was a great, hey Keith, for, we've had some weak wormhole segments lately. That was a good one. Um, I think my best moment for me, because it, they did a great switch, that, because I truly was wondering, I mentioned this earlier, whether Nero was in it for herself, in it to to put the screws to Una or, or whatnot, and that would have been the easy road to go down. I think they handled it better. And that scene where she's with La'an and kind of, it, she, it's a very personal, specific to the plot conversation, but also uh, there's a lot of allegories. And Keith mentioned yeah. a bunch of really great ones. I won't belabor the point, but I, I and I think that it was beautiful and the, the performances are excellent. And I just think that scene was the best of what Trek can do uh, and sci-fi can do. Yeah. And it was less hokey than the resolution in the courtroom, which was a little on the nose. Yeah. I, uh... I know yeah, you have, I, I know the music, but that's not yeah. that's neither here. No, the no, I, I, I think you're right. The 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 performances of it are are great, and certainly it's interesting and exciting to know that Laan is also genetically modified. Although you know, obviously I assumed, um, but I'm certainly curious how they're going to spin that out. Like, how is that going to play out? She um, might not know for sure. Like we said, there's there's ways out of it. I mean, I I feel like she would have checked. <laughs> I never twenty three to Mead. I don't know what's in what's my situation. Nice, I suppose, but you're not related to like. The don't say anything. Super don't. villain. <laughs> okay. Oscar's <laughs> like, don't. Let's not. <laughs> it's like, let's I'm not make it specific. Of... Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So that I think that's uh, my best moment as well. Okay. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's do what we do. Let's hand out some stem bolts. Oh, I used to have a button for that. Yeah, what happened to your button? Hmm. I, 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 okay. I guess I gotta do Just it this click way. Click the thing. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. How does this work now? Come on, stem bolts. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta click on the scene. I know, that's the one I didn't, oh, I didn't do this one! Uh. Oh, that sucks. Oh, we were so close to having, like, the right episode. Okay, well, no, we're doing it. Very close to closing time. <laughs> oh, yeah, same key, maybe. I think it probably is, yeah. I always start in, like, G. That's my key, Keith. You know, for when you're writing my solo, I'm, I'm generally in G. So there you oh, go. all right. All right. Yeah, good to know. It's easy on guitar, too. That's always, it's always, always a good one to play. All right. Mike Stembolts. I really like what it wants to say. And I like I like a lot of what yes. it says, for sure, 100%. Um, it, this show is weird to me because it, it's so brave in some ways and in some ways it feels a little insecure and it has to hammer certain things a little harder. Like the, the chip on the shoulder between the two friends, like I mentioned, bugged mm -hmm. me a little bit. Um, and they had actresses who could pull it off the subtlety of it. They didn't we need it so hard 
just like the music. That scene said everything. We didn't need to right. just like over push the point. We get it. We get it. We got it. Yeah, over um, over scoring the emotional scenes is a sign of insecurity. I think that having this the scene at the end, the tribunal, them punting actually is really an amazing way to to they use the whole scene, that whole tribunal to sh to hold a mirror up to our friggin' society, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they end up with a great point of like, look at this, after all that, and after learning and turning them, mm -hmm. they still just pass the effing buck because isn't that what we do? Yeah. But they play it heroically instead of having it be like, let's do, let's show the point. Let's prove to, the point. To, to be the wet fart that it yeah. is. Yeah. Because guess what? Deep Space Nine does that a lot. They're like, there are no easy answers, folks. Yeah. Right. Instead of like giving them an out here, which it felt to me like they're giving them an easy out. Um, and so mm -hmm. that neuters it a little bit for me. I don't love that we use Spock twice in this episode and both are for comedic bits. Like I get it. This is a different Spock, a more human Spock. Like I get what we're going for, but like we don't always have to use him as, I liked the first one. Like you said, the second one just seemed out of place. I, I did now, I did like, I saw, I think we saw, also weird that in episode one of this season, Ansel was out, right? No Pike. Here, Pike's back, and it's his whole thing. We like, it starts with him going to find the lawyer, or whatever, but then right after he gets lawyer, they pull Pike out of the episode. And even, they even flirt with like, uh-oh, here's the drama of Pike knew all along, and then we, we get out, we, we don't really, that's like, we don't really use that as, we go past it very quickly. So once again, it doesn't feel like his presence is, I will credit him for, in just the two scenes he's with uh, Una and the hug at the end, we don't really get to know much about their relationship from the past and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't really know what formed their relationship, but yeah. he plays it, right? That's an, that's, that's an example of two uh, actors being able to fill in some subtext, and I buy it. I mean, it works for me. What was weird to me, Keith, and I, and I'm, I, I wear my... I'm on the fence with Rebecca Remain Stamos from season one. I'm still on the fence. I, I just don't. She's not Stamos anymore. They haven't been married in 20 years. I apologize. That is, that's <laughs> that's not cool. Rebecca Remain, last name. Who will remain, remain. Yeah. Uh, is, um, I don't know. I don't know what's not working for me, but it's not, it's not clicking. And, and, and thusly, what we've seen, we've seen her be a badass in a couple scenes, but she hasn't really done anything to like, to where I view her as the superhero, super leader that they've led up to. And at the last scene of this scene, with Pike standing right there, she's like, all right, everybody back to your battle stage. She's like the captain of the ship. They treat her like the captain of the ship. Well, the first officer is the one who would be, I mean, like Riker's the one who tells everybody to go back to work while Picard oh, okay. supervises. All right, yeah. cool. Then I'll buy it. But it just felt like we're really pushing this. It's like they have to push how much of the leader she is and, and all of their testimony. It seemed like they used this episode to try to fill in, do a little bit of the shortcutting to make people like me feel more like she's more than she has been. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, 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 you're not. Get I mean, everybody the, up on the, uh, everybody up on the stand and testify to how great of a leader she is. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, it, it, it. We, we have not seen Una do very much, and this episode works very hard to have other people say things about a character we haven't seen. Yeah, it's like exposition and, uh, insert. It's like a blink, blink, smoke and mirror. 
Now, right. so all of that said, I'm tempted to want to give let it off the hook, Keith. I'm I'm tempted to want to let it get off the hook here, but I, it just isn't. It isn't that strong. I think it's a lot more. I think it's a lot more smoke and mirrors than it is strong. I think it's a great idea and a great. I get what they're going for, but it seems like another huge plot thing we did, huge arc we built that. Then now it's we had to. It it feels like, just like the season finale, we're clearing off all of the plot lines we set up so that we can kind of just like let's do new stuff now. Like we're we gotta get we gotta get moving. Mm. A, a little bit like a Mega's daughter. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Right. Like, and it sucks that you set up really cool narrative threads, and then we don't pay them off in a way that feels like it did anything. It, it, we did this all in secret, right? This all this resolution in my read is all in secret. It's not like this got broadcast to the world and we see all the peoples right. watching and seeing what has taken place and realizing the hypocrisy of our ways. That is not what is happening. And like, maybe they'll follow it up. Maybe this is step one. Now, that all said, it's not bad. Um, the performances, once again, are, are stellar. I think all of the respect is seen, but is played by the characters. I think the guest star here is... Ex excellent um but you know it's uh, past that it's a little middling for me so what did i say last week last week I, you came in with a 68 okay odd but yes yeah, maybe that was a little like because last week was definitely better than this week <laughs> um so i'm in a bit of a pickle but uh you know what i'm gonna then i'm gonna try to right my wrong by i'm gonna keep the same i'm gonna say once again 68 stemples okay yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna like harp on this for too long. We've been going for forever, but I no, it should be 67. I'm sorry, one. I has to lose one. Step. 67. All right. Um, I really like the episode. I thought this was gonna be. I really, really like the episode on whom's trappings we're using. Mm -hmm. Right. This has the trappings of of measure of a man, of a great deep exploration and challenging of a law and injustice and blah, 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 blah. I don't love that either though, Keith. I feel like this show is now going back, is has gone to the well too many times. Enough with the nods. Like let's write your own show now. Well, I, I mean, sure. But it's but it's not even so much that it's a nod to measure of a man. It's just like, let's let's do a courtroom drama challenging an injustice. Right, I really wanted it to be a great version of that, and I really wanted this to be challenging and thoughtful and provocative, and um, you know the the stakes of what's happening here are high enough, mm. right? And it's just so neutered by a whole bunch of wormholes and straw man arguments and tangents and and like finding you know deus ex machinas and cop-out finishes that what because I, I i knew that this was going to be the courtroom drama about about una and i was like hell yes let's do this i can't wait hold their and, feet to the fire yeah hold their feet to the fire challenge some stuff make some good arguments let's have a great courtroom drama and this just isn't it. It's it's a whole bunch of 
cop-outs and a whole bunch of wormhole. Like, it's not very well thought out. It's not very well executed. Um, you know, it's it has all of, like I said, all the trappings of a much, much better episode, but they all fall thin mm-hmm. um, because they didn't really write a good episode. And I, I, I put this on the writers, right? Yeah, 100%. They just didn't write a good episode. The case has to be great, and the solution has to be great. Especially in a 10-episode season. Like, when right. you have 26 episodes of network TV, and you get to write them all up front before you start even start producing them, so you should have right. a coherent thing ready to go. Just make a better argument. Make a better whatever. And it just... It looks like an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. It's just not when you really look at it too carefully and i'm disappointed i'm not mad i'm disappointed we say that too much with this show yeah yeah it's true so like is it is it bad no um you know is is the purpose of this episode great yeah the idea behind it is great the episode they tried to write is great they just didn't do it this time i think um I, I, I think that there's there's a very good chance that there's going to be a million people coming for us in the comments defending this episode, cool. and I welcome that. Yeah, I'm, please. I'd, I'd be very curious to see whether or not any of these things bothered other people. Maybe it didn't. Maybe, maybe we're just being curmudgeonly. But um, I guess doing eight hours or eight seasons of a legal drama, we've spent a lot of time picking apart legal dramas. We're and also, listen, we're also watching this. I'm watching this the day after I do a review on a Deep Space Nine episode, which is really coming into its own and, and taking it's funny because so long ago, but taking risks. Now, granted, like you said, I think, you know, this show has to has a lot more forward thinking to do, right? They have to look at what is everything that is to come and make sure that they don't ha- Well, because they, they are tied, anything. their yeah. hands are tied by by timeline constantly. Um, but I don't think, we never adjudicated the Illyrian thing. You know, there is one thing that will come up. They can't overturn the law. Mm-hmm. That's what, that that is one thing that we can't do here. Um, but, you know, selling the disappointing punt as a with the trappings of the of like you said mm-hmm. with the trappings of like the hell we've we've overturned this horrible thing no you didn't you punted let it land like a punt yeah. why are we pretending that this is something heroic anyway uh tell me that i'm wrong i'm sure many many people will um i didn't think it was terrible i'm just disappointed that it's not what i hoped it would be so for me you get 72 self-sealing stem let me tell you though i i I mean i continue to feel like i'm watching on hdr on my 21.9 monitor with with headphones and it is a spectacular feast for the av senses every week uh and it's also fun because it's interestingly much harder to avoid spoilers and and other opinions on the episodes i do try to stay completely unsullied week to week on social media it's much easier to do that for Deep Space Nine, it turns out, than it is for this show because everyone is putting their uh, hot takes yeah. out for these on a week basis. So, Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of hot takes, you can find all of our hot takes on many other things and appropriately, uh, The Practice, with our Out of Practice yeah. podcast uh, in your earballs uh, on all of your podcasting services. You can hear us 
you know, excoriate David E. Kelly for his mistakes, but laud him for his successes. Um, you can also watch us watch Deep Space Nine every Wednesday, Kingdom Geekly on the Mondays, look at my Star Trek toys on Sundays, and of course, this strange news show every Friday. You can see our social medias down below. If you're listening to the podcast-only feed, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash knm and get all sorts of more bonus nonsense and communicate with us we have a nice little family there come join us mike till then this has been strange new show keith and mike watch star trek strange new worlds next week we'll be back with tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow it's the book i already read okay Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.